Enoa. 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 Music is like the thing in between me and the world. I don't really know how else to express it, but it's the thing which helps me to understand and process everything that I experience in life. I am Finn Beams. I was born in 1987 in London. I am a writer, director and a producer. Hello, Finn Beams. Hi. Who are you? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I guess in this context, I'm an artist, um, but I feel like it's really important to remember that you're all sorts of different things in all sorts of different places. So I would hesitate to say that I am totally one thing and not another at any given time. But in my capacity here, speaking right now, I think I'm an artist. What led you to opera creation? Really, it was just meeting a composer at university who is still a very close friend of mine. We met and we wanted to make something and I was into writing text and theatre and she was into making music, so opera just felt like the natural meeting point for us. And I think I had watched only one opera up until that point, so it was a fairly new form for me. But it was exciting because it felt like there was, at the same time, there were so many rules, but so much space in which you could play. And I suppose that means so many rules that you could learn and then break. Um, so it felt like a really active, exciting playground for all sorts of forms of expression. And I think actually I had, up until that point, I had always thought of music as theatre in some way or listening to music had always been a dramatic experience for me so opera also felt like a natural progression in terms of fully realising the theatre which I think lives in music. What's your favourite opera? Wow, I really don't know. I think I can't answer that question without adding to it what's your favourite production of an opera. I mean, I could say, I could give examples of operas that I enjoy, have enjoyed to listen to in isolation as, as abstract pieces of music. But for me, really, opera is a form of theatre before it's a form of music. So, um, favourite operas. Well, Saul by Handel is an oratorio, but it was staged by Barry Kosky, um, which was just in incredible. But I, I'm sure I wouldn't have had the same response if I had just listened to a recording of that piece. Or if I had seen another production, I might tell you that it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. Um, generally speaking, I really love Baroque opera and um, opera from the late 20th century onwards. 
I think Nixon in China is incredible. I think Lulu is incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I think, though, in general, I'm much more curious about operas that don't exist yet. I don't know a huge amount about the repertoire, and I don't seek out opportunities to, to watch existing opera that much. I'm really excited about new opera. Opera is a form of theatre, I think, really, where music is one of the fundamental languages of expression and where song is one of the fundamental languages. And beyond that, I don't know. I feel like the reason that it's difficult to know is not because opera is difficult, actually. It's because opera culture is really difficult and opera culture tries to maintain so many rules about etiquette and decorum and the correct kind of intellectual response which is tied up with loads of really problematic socio-historical political issues so for me really opera is just a form of theatre where music and song are really active Instruments of War, an exploration of the musical and the dramatical potential of over 150 weapons, a project you have worked on with the composer Santa Bush and your collective Edipa. What a strong project. Yeah, strong and really um, sort of unwieldy and terrifying to producers and venues because it comes with all sorts of um, logistical and actually legal problems because using even fake weapons in the UK, you, you know, you have to phone the police and ask them if you can do certain things. Um, it was one of those projects that when I first thought of it, I couldn't believe that somebody hadn't already done it. It seemed like such a natural thing to do. And I think that's really important, like where, when you're having ideas about what work to make, that's a really good signal, I think, if you feel like, oh, surely that already exists in the world then that's a good sign that it's something that you should spend your time on. I suppose I think subjects for opera should be things which are complex, actually, and which require music for us to connect with them and understand them. And also... I think it's really important that art about the most vulnerable parts of ourselves exists because, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but if I feel a particular way, then I might seek out an artist who has tried to deal with that. Hopefully what will happen is what I'm listening to or watching or walking through or whatever will feel like the thing that's inside my head that I was struggling to get out suddenly exists outside in the world 
and it confirms to me that it's not just part of my imagination. Um, and it provides a sort of safe space in which to think about something tricky. What is the responsibility of the artists regarding the story they choose to tell? I think particularly now, but always, the responsibility of an artist is to be actively anti-colonial. And that's something which artists and cultures, particularly white Western European cultures, have really failed to do in the past. But I think it applies to anything that you work on. And by actively anti-colonial, I mean you don't steal people's experiences and turn them into an aesthetic and claim them as your own or, or claim any kind of ownership over them. So if you want to make an, an opera about an experience, I think either you should have experience of it or in your process you should really carefully and respectfully engage with people who have experienced that and they have to become integral and fundamental to the process. You can't just, you know, have a chat and then go and write an opera about someone's life. You have to give up power somehow to them. You have to listen. This is the new opera entitled Speak Read by Santa Bush. You've brought the libretto. Its premiere will take place in 2021. What's the story of this opera? The story is inspired by a real-life story of a woman called Ruby McDonough, who is a living American woman, and she lives with aphasia, which is um, the result of a stroke, which causes... Uh, huge difficulties using language in any way and also can cause physical paralysis. And Ruby, who I met two years ago, um, is an incredible woman who uh, was living in a care home and she was assaulted by a member of staff who lived there because they thought that she wouldn't be able to speak, she wouldn't be able to say what had happened to her. Uh, but she did and she teamed up with an incredible lawyer and activist called Wendy Murphy and they went on a two-year legal campaign and uncovered all kinds of structural discrimination um, in the legal system and in society, which they fought at every level and in doing so changed the law. And we're going to tell that story with a group of adults who have aphasia um, and the libretto and the music itself and the staging and every aspect of the production has been made or is being made in collaboration with that group of adults. So Speak Red is a participatory opera. Uh, what is important to take into consideration when, when starting this kind of project? I think you really have to ask yourself where your ego 
is as an artist in projects like that. Um, I mean, I think it's similar with with any project because opera is collaborative. Theatre is collaborative. All the work that I do is collaborative. So I always try to go into that work thinking, as a director, I have to lead this project. So I do have to be a leader, but I also have to accept that I don't own the work. We own it as a shared thing with all the makers and all the audience members who come to see it. But I think that's particularly important with participatory work. You have to be willing at the beginning to say, I don't own this work. We share it. And I think you can really tell when people make participatory work where that's not the case. And it's difficult because as an artist, you're quite often used to, you know, thinking I have this vision and I'm going to realise that vision. But the really exciting thing about working with participants is they come with ideas that you just could never have because they're coming from possibly, you know, within but also without the culture. They're coming with skills which they don't know they have and so those skills sort of emerge and that brings a really sort of delicate and authentic quality. But they also, in this particular case, come with perspectives which, which I don't have because I don't have aphasia. That's why it's so important to me in this project that Ruby's story is told from their perspective. So they will be a chorus in the production and the audience will experience Ruby's story as told by people who also have aphasia like Ruby. But as the librettist, you still have to, to make decisions. So what were the most difficult decisions you had to make in terms of narrative? Aphasia also can affect one's ability to process narrative information. So it can make understanding stories complicated. So because of the communication needs of participants and of audience members with aphasia, it means that the most helpful thing that we can do for them is tell Ruby's story in a really simple and linear way. And as a librettist or as anyone structuring a piece of work, you know, the beginning of the conversation is, okay, do we tell this story in a linear way? Do we tell it backwards? Do we tell it in an abstract form where everything is ambiguous and there's a source of tension which um, we can exploit there somehow? But here we just had to say, right, okay, from the beginning, if we're doing what we have promised we're going to do, we have to tell the story in a methodical, linear and clear way. So that's immediately a sort of restriction because then you have to find other ways to inject tension and excitement. The other difficult thing is making sure that I am not making assumptions about what it's like to live with aphasia. So if I have an idea about the text or about the staging, then I never realise it or I never um, decide that that's what's going to happen without uh, really diligent consultation with the participants because I feel like there has to be a consensus that yes, this is reflective of our experience. And so everything I do has to be really open to change. And again, that's about letting go of power.
This opera, this project is supported by uh, Enoa Network. By taking part in workshops or labs uh, organized by Enoa, what were you looking for? I suppose we were looking to to understand what the central creative gesture of the piece is. It's about trying to discover what the idea is fundamentally and making sure that that idea is exciting enough to occupy you for a period of years. I think that's really important with opera. It takes such a long time to make that your ideas have to be good enough and interesting enough to hold your attention. And so those discoveries can be musical. I think they can be dramaturgical. I think also really important in this project, it was discoveries about how the participatory process was going to work, what we needed to offer people, what we needed to be learning in order to make sure that we could offer people what they needed. Yeah. And there the love I love, I ask my love to press it into me. Everything of him slips around me, I reach uncountably into trust. Here are the ten countries where, here are the ten countries where. And there's the sweet spot, one side of the skull. Like little rocks on the beach, I hear clattering and run for the water. Convinced I see a woman in the habit of a man. When I did it to humiliate my wife, she wouldn't look at me for days. Here are the ten countries where. Here are the ten countries where. And this is how much you want power. And this is how much you crave force. The pain brings him round and knocks him out and brings him round. And there the sweetest, hottest push of love. He brings me close and holds me close. Here are the ten countries where. Here are the ten countries where. Here are the ten countries where. And there, as in every myth, you are astonished to find a pile of corpses. Do you feel you had to deconstruct some of your preconceptions during these workshops? Yes, I think so. Um, one of the things that's incredible about Enoa as a network is that it's across lots of different countries and it's across lots of different cultures. And exploring a project like this in different cultures means that the central participatory element has very different rules and expectations in each different culture. And I think there's always, again, just returning to that thing about um, how willing are you to give up power? There are constant discoveries there because it sort of creeps up on you because it's easy to settle into thinking that your vision is sort of steadily moving in one direction, but you have to be willing for it to totally change at any second.
what do you really want to achieve uh, through opera in terms of artistic issues? For me, the most important thing every time is just that uh, somebody is moved by the work. And I really believe that the best way to engage people is through emotion. And certainly as an audience member, that's also what I'm looking for every time. If I'm not being moved, then I leave. I want them to be moved, as with any piece of work. I think the fantasy, and I don't know whether we will achieve this, is that they will have learned to listen in a different way. So if they are somebody who has never encountered someone with aphasia before, I would like them to leave understanding how they could listen differently in order to hear what somebody is saying if they have aphasia. If someone in the audience has aphasia or has experience of aphasia already, then obviously that's, they don't need to learn that. But I would like those people to feel that they have been heard. Thank you, Finn Beams. Thank you. A podcast by Enoa, developed with the support of the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union.